Good morning, this is Money Talk with James Ross and I'm pleased to be joined by our guest this morning as ever on a Thursday morning, Enzio von File, uh, Wealth Investment Strategist. Good morning, Enzio. Good morning to you, James. Good morning and also good morning to James McCormack, uh, Global Head of Sovereigns at Fitch Ratings. Good morning, James. Good morning. Well, I guess uh, no surprises possibly uh, overnight uh, with the announcement uh, from the Fed. Uh, what do you make of uh, that uh, from uh, Jerome Powell, uh, Enzio, first of all? Well, I think that the the fact that he raised rates a little bit didn't surprise me. I'm more intrigued that they've basically issued a mild stagflation outlook, according to the FT this morning, growth of up a stunning 0.4% this year, which is non-growth basically, relatively high inflation. They say 2% on the per capita expenditure. I say about 3.5% because inflation is not going to abate because so much of it is supply-driven, food prices, drought, wars, all that kind of stuff. And we also have something phenomenal called catch-up inflation, not the Heinz 57 type, but in fact the stuff (laughs) that you and I pay for at the grocery store Companies who've been thrashed for three years now trying to make up their prices by just raising them through the roof where they can look at airline and hotel prices in Hong Kong, for instance, at present. Obviously, James, uh, Jerome Powell has had inflation uh, fully in mind in making this announcement. But at the end of last week, after the uh, Credit Suisse uh, happenings and so on, uh, I guess we felt that perhaps there wouldn't be uh, a rate rise this time around. What, what was what was your expectation? Well, we had forecast 25 basis points uh, yes, yesterday or earlier today, I suppose. Um, and we had also forecast uh, two more 25 basis point increases uh, to take the Fed funds rate to, to 5.5%. I suppose the real question going forward is whether it's realistic to expect two more 25 basis point increases given the stresses in the banking system. Chair Powell alluded to that. Um they never give you a, a clear path, but I think he certainly mentioned that stresses in the banking system, if they are reflected in weaker credit growth, kind of does some of the work uh, of the Fed for them in terms of curtailing demand and maybe bringing uh, some of that upward pressure on inflation down a little bit. So I think going forward, that will really be the thing to watch, whether the banking system stabilizes, which we think it probably will. Um, and whether there will continue to be um, modest credit growth in the U.S. or, or whether that slips a little bit and allows the Fed to uh, to maybe to maybe pause on rates. But but our expectation here is still two two more twenty five basis points. So uh, we, are we are we headed for six percent? Well, we think we're headed for five and a half. That's that's kind of the number that that we've got in mind. I guess you know the revision to that could possibly be lower. But we'll have to wait to see not only what the inflation numbers are, but what's happening in the real economy and where credit growth is going. And just just on the inflation numbers, I think, you know, the really important thing to watch on inflation is not necessarily the year on year number, but the month on month number. So what is sequential inflation looking like? That will give you an idea of where the momentum is going. So. I would I would encourage people to look at that number in particular. What do we feel of the market's uh, response to this interest rate rise? Endio, do you have any thoughts? You know, the the market's uh, all affected in a big way uh, so uh, overnight uh, last night. 
I think so, but I, I, I think that there's still kind of nobody yet publicly is really going after the what's going to happen with the 2024 presidential elections and, and what happens then. The Fed is saying they're going to be cutting rates next year, which is not surprising, given that they are kind of beholden to the White House. But um, no, I mean, markets were pretty much um, where they should have been the two year going down a little bit to 4.15% yield and the 10 year going up a little bit. So there was just a, a, a slight movement. But I think that as, as, as James was saying, things may be on the banking side stabilizing and that I think is helping on the um, just on, on the reaction to the overall Fed funds. But I must say that the Fed is, as usual, sort of a little bit cryptic, if not very woolly. On the one hand, it says that it wants to um, firm a little bit um, coming going into next year. And then it says, well, maybe not. So, you know, you, you accuse us economists of being two-handed. You try the Fed. It's about eight-handed. <laughs> um, James, earlier this week, Janet Yellen um, was saying that things had stabilized. Your own pal pretty much saying the same thing. <laughs> They're all working together at the moment, would you say? Um, at this point, yes. Look, there was a, there was a concerted effort um, over the course of the last weekend by, by both the Fed, the Treasury, and the FDIC, which, which is the Deposit Insurance Guarantee Agency for U.S. bank deposits. So when you get those three agencies working over the course of a weekend to come up with a package, um, not only designing it, but implementing it uh, in, in, within, within a very short period of time, you could be pretty confident that they're working together on, on this. So, you know, whether I think going forward, again, you know, the question is, where do we go from here? And I think there's some expectation in the market about a broader or larger guarantee, deposit guarantee system in place. And I think maybe Chair Yellen uh, or Secretary Yellen uh, maybe maybe threw a bit of cold water on that yesterday, which Marcus didn't like so much. I think the Marcus liked what the Fed did, but maybe not so much what what uh, Janet Yellen had to say. Do we think that uh, they've been fairly successful in uh, averting a, a more major crisis, do you think? Well, I think time will tell. I, I don't think we can really be 100% confident either way. You know, banking is, is all about confidence and it really depends here on what happens to the confidence specifically of depositors. You know, this is very different from what happened in 2008 when the confidence was between banks because banks didn't necessarily know what other banks had on their balance sheet and whether or not they wanted exposure, you know, counterparty risk exposure to those banks. So this is quite different. This is depositors' uh, confidence. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see whether deposits uh, remain with the banks or whether they start to move from the smaller banks or continue to move from the smaller banks to the bigger banks and into money market funds. So time will tell. Enzio, would you agree with James? Is it different from 2008? Oh, yes, quite clearly, because the in 2008, we had this glut of poor quality subprime mortgages that had been spread around the world via derivatives on balance sheets of poorly capitalized banks. So that was then. Now we have a failure of applying um, the strict banking regulations to the sub top eight banks, in other words, to the little guys out in the Midwest on the West Coast. Um, also, I think at that time, inflation was falling. Now it's rising. Deflation at that time. Now we have what I've since dubbed catch-up inflation going on. China was strong at the time. Now China is, is wobbling. It's in policy transition. And of course, surprise, surprise, at that point we had peace. Now we've got war. 
So there are, are many sort of um, differences going on. But I just want to also add to one thing that James was saying, that, um, that both of you, James, are saying, um, or perhaps not, that the, the whole thing with Switzerland is a bit of a mess because I think it's a huge buy on gold. I mean, if the Swiss banks are now basically being, if, 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 if Credit Suisse, what's happened, it just seems to me as if the, 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 the Swiss bank authorities are saying, well, actually, our system is also pretty sort of tacky in some ways. And that then removes a lot of this myth of all these wonderful, stable, rock-solid Swiss <laughs> banks. I think then a lot of people will say, in gold, in gold we trust. That's a bit of a surprise, is it, Enzio, really? Because we all have that in, in thought for, for many years and decades, that the, uh, the Swiss banking system is rock-solid, right? Yeah, we also thought, till somebody came up, that the world was flat. So... <laughs> Um, I, I agree with you, and I think that in gold we trust is going to be a, a big one going forward. James, would you agree with that? Yeah, look, I'll leave the gold call to uh, to Enzio. I think I think what we what we would expect uh, in in kind of the world that I that I cover is in U.S. Treasuries we trust. So um, it, it, <laughs> mm, it almost doesn't yeah. matter where uncertainty comes from in financial markets. Um, or yes. you know what 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 the cause of it is? Money goes to U.S. Treasuries and money goes to the U.S. dollar, and there's no reason to believe that this time will be very different uh, from that. So we've mm. seen Treasury yields move aggressively lower, yes. not, not in necessarily uh, in the last you know few hours, but but it, certainly in recent weeks, yes. and we would expect that to continue. Yeah, I mean we've heard that about U.S. Treasuries over decades, haven't we? That we should we should stick with the the stable, but still everybody steps out and puts. Their money into, you know, stuff like crypto and so on. But uh, um, well, that's greed, <laughs> indeed. So, James, what what else is out there at the moment? What what are you looking at aside from the Fed and uh, you know the, the the banking crisis? Are we missing other stuff that's going on uh, in the markets uh, in business at the moment? Sure, there's a lot of other stuff going on. I mean, there's a China's recovery story which is underway. Uh, which is which is kind of a much more positive thing to to speak about, and then on the negative side, there are a number of emerging markets that are really struggling with. Uh, although I said treasury yields have been coming down recently, but the the sort of medium term drift higher of of ten year yields in not just the U.S. but but more globally has led to a number of emerging markets facing uh, debt distress and the likes of Sri Lanka. Uh, you know, spring to mind. I think there'll be more of those kinds of episodes in, in 2023. The IMF possibly. seems to have been handing out a lot of money over the last few days. Uh, big bailouts yes. to Sri Lanka, as you just touched on, Ukraine and so on. Um, I suppose there is still a lot of uncertainty out there. There's an awful lot of uncertainty. The, you know, what, the way we look at it in terms of rating categories is very much at the bottom of the rating scale. So the countries that are the weakest credits getting a little bit weaker. So when global uh, funding conditions tighten, it is the weakest sovereigns that generally suffer. And, and you're right, the IMF has been very busy and we expect them to continue to be busy. Uh, we've seen a lot of action around China and Russia in the last few days. Uh, President Xi is just back from uh, his trip to Moscow. Uh, Enzio, how are we feeling about the geopolitical impact uh, of China, Russia and uh, the US together on the economies around the world at the moment? Uh, not very well. 
<laughs> Next question, please. Um, I, I just think it, it's, it's so... It, it, I was just about drafted into Vietnam when I was still a U.S. citizen. It just smacks of something becoming a little bit Vietnam-like, a long, drawn-out, protracted mess in the Ukraine. Um, I myself believe that with the 2024 presidential elections coming up, that the U.S. arms trade is only rubbing its hands at this opportunity of being able to sell so many arms into the Ukraine and into Taiwan. Um, that's, of course, my own view. After Buckley, after Citizens United, that, that court ruling that gave corporations basically unfettered campaign finance access. But I think that until somebody, perhaps even a woman, just gets up there and, and starts putting heads together and, and placating both, both, both sides of boys with toys, um, I think it's going to remain a mess. And that's, that's very unsettling because I'm just reading a book by AJP Taylor, How Wars Start. And um, it's usually sort of first mover advantage. I think you're going to attack me, so let me punch you in the nose first kind of thing. And this could very easily happen. Look at that crash of the drone with the U.S. Air Force um, plane, uh, with, 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 the, with the Russian Air Force MiG. Mm, mm. Uh, James, you know, geo geo geopolitical stuff, I'm sure you, you look at it. Is it going to have a big impact in the next uh, in next few months, do you think, just just very quickly? Yeah, I'm afraid it will. I think, uh, you know, the issues that it, Enzo, was, Enzo was referring to are there. I think if you're looking for good news, maybe the good news would be the... Um, the, the coming together of Saudi Arabia and Iran. That that was an important step in 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 peace in the in in the Middle East. So if we want to end on a on a more positive note on the geopolitical side, I'd point to that one. Well, guys, thank you very much. Uh, Enzio von Feil is a wealth investment strategist, and James McCormack is global head of sovereigns at Fitch Ratings. <laughs>